Welcome to my OWL podcast, where movement becomes medicine. Join us for insightful conversations, expert advice, and inspiring stories that explore the incredible power of movement in the world of medicine. Whether you're a physical enthusiast, a healthcare prof- professional, or are simply curious about the fascinating connections between movement and healing, you might find this interesting. So grab the multimedia device of your preference, get ready to stretch your mind, and let's dive into the world of movement-based medicine together. So, um, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Orlando Walters. Um, as you already know, I'm a physical therapist, but enough about me. Today I'm here with Eddie, a very interesting individual, um, has great stories, captivated me. I had to sit and listen to him. So anyway, Eddie um, is, a, is, a, is a mountain climber. And when I, when I first met Eddie, I thought to myself, we're in South Florida. I mean, there's, there's no mountains to climb. But anyway, I'll let him tell you all about it. Um, Eddie, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate you. Thank being you here. for having me. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain myself because I've had this conversation with many people. And they say I'm a, I'm a 31-year-old living in, a, in an 80-year-old's body, right? <laughs> Just because I've lived 10 lives. Okay. And I think if I were to break down my everything I've done in life you'll get an idea of who I really am. But we don't have that time, okay. so we're just gonna go with there. So going back, yeah, I am a mountain climber. I would say I'm a, I'm a rock climber at heart, right? Um, and rock climbing in South Florida is such a unique thing because we're, most people are like, what do you climb? Exactly. Because there are no mountains in Florida. There's garbage mountains, but we don't <laughs> climb those, but yeah. So most people ask like, yeah, what, what do you climb? And the, to the core of why I started climbing, I think is a unique story. I don't know if you want to start there. Sure. So I I would say back in maybe 2019, I had just ended an engagement. It just ended mutually. But I was I was in the downs, right? I, I was I would say I was I was depressed at the time. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I've been such a competitive person my whole life that I found myself not doing anything competitive. And I was playing video games. I think we've shared this story before. I was playing video games and I had two screens, right? So I'm playing in one screen and I'm, I usually put a movie on the other one. And this movie, Free Solo. And for the most climbing community, they know Free Solo. And to the world, they know Free Solo. It's the, That's my introduction it's, to it's, I'm climbing, I mean, rock climbing. It's, yeah. the, it's the one movie that if you tell someone you rock climb, they go, you've seen Free Solo? Right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I've seen Free Solo. But to me, that was my first introduction when it first came out. It was maybe a couple months old. And I was playing and I would catch myself like looking at the other screen and I was more intrigued and more intrigued and more intrigued. Eventually I stopped playing and I just watched the whole movie and something clicked inside of me and it, it, it gathered that feeling of competitiveness, but singularity because it's such a singular sport because there's, there's, it's not a team sport, right? It's not, it's, it's a very singular. Yes, there are some team aspects of it because when you climb, there's two people, right? There's the belayer who gives you the rope okay, and who catches you if you fall. That's important. Very important. And then there's the climber. But no matter what, when you're on that rock, when you're climbing, it's just you on the rock. There's, there's nobody else. So, uh, you're in, so you're in your own thoughts. You're in your, you're own, in thoughts. your own head the whole entire time. So I saw the movie. I was intrigued. And let me just say, I, I, I hated the outdoors. Hated. I was one of those prima donna guys that i hated getting sweaty if my clothes didn't look pristine i would not step out right so this is we're going off the spectrum here like this is something i completely dislike so complete 180 yeah but internally i was telling myself i want to do something that challenges me and that is unlike me because i felt like i played it safe throughout my whole life before this right and i feel like the ending of the engagement kind of clicked something in me that i wanted to get out of my comfort zone so being the person that i am i researched it for two months I saw how to belay. I saw how to climb. I saw, I Googled climbing shoes. I, I looked up every single way that I could climb except climbing. I did everything but climb. So you're really trying to prepare mentally for this. Correct. I'm just a natural researcher at heart. I have a degree in physics from before. So research just is in me naturally. Gotcha. So I looked it up. And then, like I said, two and a half months later, I finally Googled climbing gym near me. It's like the one thing we all Google, right? And I found a place actually in Oakland Park. And it was Coral Cliffs. It was the gym Coral Cliffs. And I looked it up and I'm like, wow, this is cool. I want to do this. But there's a problem. I am super anxious when it comes to socializing with people. Okay. Normally, I'm not. I'm a very social person uh, with my friends. But when it, when it came to meeting new people, I sucked. But isn't that usually the case with most people? 
no, with your family, your mm -hmm. friends, people you grow up with, people you spend a lot of time with, you're usually more comfortable with those individuals. And then once you go outside that that pocket, everything's there's a lot of uh, uh, fear, anxiety, a lot that comes along with it. I agree. I think for me, it was I'm such a competitive person. It's the fear of being judged. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a very open person. I think you'll see this throughout throughout this whole conversation. I hold no nothing back. Uh, I like for the world to see my true self because for so long I had an, an armor that I felt like I wasn't living to my true identity. And so I, I always told myself, I don't want to live like this anymore. And it, it, it all started through through rock climbing, which is okay. crazy. All right. So how'd you break that barrier? So I said, I have to talk to someone because I cannot climb by myself. I need someone to belay me. Okay. I called my best friend, uh, Lewis, and I said, hey, let's go climbing. I'll pay for anything. I'll drive because it was a far drive. It was like 45 minutes. And I said, I'll drive. I'll do everything. I just need a body there. Okay. We went. He loved it, too. He belayed me. I had a great time. By the time I left my house, I mean, I left the gym. I had already ordered on Amazon, like all my gear. I knew. I knew <laughs> this. I knew this was in. what I wanted to do okay. for the rest of my life. Gotcha. And, you know, I, I romanticized with everything. I'm like. Do I want to become a professional climber? Do I want to buy a van and just travel? That's how that's how deeply romanticized I was with this thing because for the anxiety, the the depression that I had during that time, when I was climbing those plastic holds, nothing mattered. The only thing that mattered was let me not fall. So so climbing set you free. It set me free. As okay. as as cheesy as cringy that might sound sometimes, it set me free. I was not focused on if I had to pay bills, if if you know what I was going to eat, the, you know, after the gym. The only thing that mattered was my breathing, my movement, and not falling. And to me, that was beautiful and something I had never experienced. It felt like I was floating on the wall. And to this day, I always tell people that ask me, how does it feel climbing? And I say, it's like dancing. It's a synchronized dance. Ironically, there was a, a professional climber posted um, maybe on Instagram a couple years ago that you could sync any person climbing with classical music and it goes... I, I kind of feel like classical music in, in its different forms can kind of go with just about any and everything. It goes, but the the way classical music plays, like let's say it's Beethoven or Bach, anytime there's a hit or like a note, it goes with the movement and it's beautiful. And yeah. you could play classical music, like play like, you know, any type of symphony and, and watch someone climb and it goes. It almost is like they're synchronized into one because the movement is so beautiful. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that happened. I left. I was in love. I bought my gear. But my friend wasn't going with me every single time. He said that was one and done. He's like, I loved it, but it's done. So now is when the real struggle began. And I had to show up and I had to talk to people. And I would show up every single day. And sometimes I would sit in, there was like a little picnic bench at the gym. And I would just sit there and like look around and hope someone made eye contact with me and be like, you want to climb with me? But for the most part, I just, I just climbed maybe 10 feet enough where I was safe and then I will walk and I will climb down. So now you're also trying to break your your safety comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have to try to figure out how to how to challenge yourself so that you can progress. Correct. That, that's kind of part of the, the competitive aspect of mm -hmm. it. Especially if you're doing things solo, you have to compete with yourself. Yes. And that's where the problems start. Uh, before we started this conversation, we had talked about dealing with our internal selves and when we're alone, what it brings the nature what it brings out of us. Mm -hmm. And it brought out who Eddie was, right? So who was Eddie? Eddie was someone, I did, actually, I didn't know who Eddie was. I didn't know. It, it took even a year to two years after I really started climbing to figure out who Eddie was. And it was through a combination of climbing therapy and other aspects. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we'll get there. So I would show up every single day to the gym and I would go every single day. A 45 minute drive. I did not care. After work, before work, whatever it was. And sometimes I didn't climb because I was scared to talk to people. Finally, I met I met this guy named Joe and Don, and we clicked. Okay. We exchanged numbers, and I would climb with them. They became my first climbing partners. Then another struggle. I remember one day it was a Friday night. Most climbers go to this place uh, in Davies called Riverside Riverside Market. Okay, it's like a it looks like a Seven Eleven because you just grab the drinks from the doors and then you pay for you take the cans up and you pay in the front. Okay. They invited me after a good long climbing session. There was like a little click in the gym. They're like, hey. We want you to join the clique. Let's go. And I said, are you guys going to go home and shower? That was the first thing I said. Because my mind, going back to what I said, I hated being sweaty. I hated, like, the idea of not looking so pristine. Right. And I was, you know, I'm full of chalk. I'm sweaty. I'm, like, beat up a little bit. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, no, no, no. We, we just go. 
And I promise you, I sat in my car. He gave me the address and I sat in my car and I said, I had told him, by the way, I had told him, and this was my default answer to anybody. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> in my mind, I said, I'm going home. Not going to do it. I'm going to give an excuse. Mm -hmm. But I sat in my car and I don't know whose voice it was, but it surely wasn't my voice. And it said, just go. Like, what's the worst that could happen? So you're breaking all forms of barriers at this mm -hmm. point. Okay. And I, I sat in my car for 15 minutes having a, a debate with myself. Pros and cons, pros and cons, pros and cons. Oh, my goodness, man. And eventually I I put it on drive and I said, let's just drive. And I just went. Okay. And I that is the one moment where I said my life changed. I it was the one moment where I felt I grabbed a sledgehammer and broke down a wall. Another barrier broken. Another barrier broken. And from that moment I felt, okay, I could talk to people now. I could socialize now. Because before, even though I was a social person within my group, I never felt like I could get out of that social of the of like that norm, right? Another thing that people don't realize is depending on where you grow up, city wise, zip code wise, you see the same amount of people. It's an echo chamber. True. I grew up in Miramar, Hialeah, you know, that area. I went to Barbara Goldman, which is Miami Lakes. And the the population is mostly Hispanic, right? You see a lot of, you know, you know, American, Hispanic Americans. But now I was in Davie, I was in Oakland Park, it was a mixture of people. And they all liked different things that none of my friends liked. So it, it was completely different. They came from different backgrounds, different races, different cultures. That was all new to me. I promise you, I felt like I was in a different state. It didn't feel like I was in Miami anymore. Completely different microcosm. So I also didn't know how to interact. So it's this process of dealing with, I'm breaking down a barrier of dealing with people. Am I coming off the right way? Am I, am I a friendly person? So you're over, you're, I mean, you're analyzing and overanalyzing. Overanalyzing, but it is, that is who I am to the core. I over, and I think that's what makes me so great at my job. I analyze little details, minuscule details and people's behaviors and what they say. But that I, if you change that from work to social life, it's horrible. <gasps> because I always think that the things that we are negative in one light can be positive in another. This is true. This is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One size doesn't fit all. It doesn't fit all. Yeah. So that was the moment, like I said. My life changed completely. I became a more social person. I became aware of my surroundings. Life is not Hialeah, Miramar, Miami Lakes. There's more to life than this. For sure. And I started climbing very seriously at this point. This is when I got, okay, now I have to deal with the competitive nature. So my question is, what, what, is it, what does it take to be a serious uh, rock climber? So that's actually a really good question because... It's, it's multifaceted because it's rock climbing is still, even though it's been around, it's been around for you know, 60s, 50s before, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's really just in its infancy. It actually just got added to the last Olympics. So we, we saw it in really? the Olympics. Yeah. So in the last Olympics, we, we saw it. So it's an Olympic sport now, okay. but it's the first time and it's, and it's growing as a sport before it was mostly seen as a hobby. Now it's a sport. So when you throw the word sport in it, now we're adding physical therapy. Now we're adding how recovery. Now we're adding specialized workouts. From before, it was what can I cook up in my brain gotcha. to make this up? Gotcha. But to be a serious climber, one, your weight plays a factor. When I started climbing, I was 225 pounds because I was a bodybuilder before. Gotcha. So that's, that, is, that is a very interesting mm -hmm. transition, but go ahead. Yeah. So I was a bodybuilder before, stiff, no movement. I couldn't touch my toes, right? Now I go into a sport where movement is... Super important. Flexibility. Absolutely. Super important. Finger strength. Extremely important because your biceps mean nothing in climbing. Nothing. Your footwork and your fingers are everything. And also knowing body, like, you know, body positioning. But yeah. when, when I was exposed to uh, rock climbing, the one thing I, I, I sit and watch, and the one thing I notice is uh, everybody looks so rubbery. I mean, they're... They're not holding any traditional positioning of feet, ankles, knees, hips. I mean, they're trying to grab anything at any angle. And I just remember thinking to myself, geez, Louise, man, uh, I don't know if I could do that because I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> stiff myself. I wish I wasn't, but, but you know. Yeah. So going back to your, to your question about what does it take, it takes a lot of things, right? It takes endurance is one of them. Endurance is definitely key. 
flexibility and move. I, I, I sometimes don't like to use the word flexibility because I think some people are born flexible. Mm-hmm. And flexibility just means I could touch a certain bright. I could I have I think movement is really the word. Being able to work with your body. Functional movement. There you go. Functional. I remember the first time I went to yoga, the I told the instructor, I'm like, I'm not flexible. She's like, I don't care if you're flexible. I need you to be functional. Gotcha. And that always stuck. Yeah. So that's good that you said that. So functional movement, uh, strength in weird aspects, because the typical climber is strong, strong shoulders, strong scapula, really good back. Really good back. You see that, yeah. Uh, strong legs. Because you're, most climbing shoes are downsized. So that's what people don't realize. So I, I wear a size nine, right? A street shoe is, my, is a nine. My climbing shoe is a seven. So two sizes smaller. Oh, so that's tight. So oh, you're close. You're, you're tight. So most climbing shoes are made either of leather or uh, like artificial, you know, like not a real leather. Uh, leather. Yeah, pleather. We'll call it pleather. <laughs> And climbing shoes come in three neutrality. So neutral, which is just flat, medium, which is the toe is a little more curved, and aggressive, which is fully curved like this. What that means is uh, climbing shoes are like like tools for what for certain types of jobs. If I'm climbing something really long, maybe a thousand feet, I want a little something more neutral because it's going to be more comfortable. I don't have to downsize as much for that. If I'm climbing something at the gym and I'm I'm want a more relaxed shoe, I want a little less downturn, but it's still medium, where I could still hook because you're not always climbing a straight wall. It's not always vertical. Sometimes it's overhung, sometimes it's slab, and sometimes you have really high foot, so your foot needs to be able to hook to that to that hold. And then if I'm climbing something really aggressive or overhung, if I'm climbing a roof, I want something like like a talon claw. Jeez. So the, the the more aggressive, the more downsized you go. So my question is this. You know, I, I see individuals who have issues in terms of being flat foot or having really high arches and then, you know, not so high arches. Um, does that affect an individual's capability of being able to perform um, in the rock climbing? At this moment in rock climbing, there are so many brands of shoes that cater to to flat footed, to narrow feet, to wide feet. So it's actually pretty, it's in a pretty good space. Um, yeah. It's just finding. There's. It's not like we have Nike, Adidas. Even though actually Adidas owns a uh, climbing, so Adidas owns Five Ten. So they've. We are seeing big companies now come into the climbing space okay. and start taking over. So, so yeah, it is growing. So Five Ten was a company before. Adidas bought them out, and now they're taking over. And now you'll see them. Yeah, I'm sure Nike eventually will, will join in on on the fun. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. We have shoes catered to depending on on what it is, but there's not one size fits all and. They don't really do a good job at, hey, this is for flat foot, this is for narrow foot. It's almost trial and error, which kind of sucks at times. All right. So you were a bodybuilder before. Correct. And stiff and bulky. Strong. How do you transition? Uh, how much How much? you were 220 before? 220, 225. How much are you now? 175, maybe 178. Wow. And that is me... At maybe at my normal body weight. If I'm going really, if I'm going outside, which I am actually on the 14th on Valentine's, I'm going to Vegas. I, we had talked about I'm going to Red Rocks. I'll try to cut down to 160. Because naturally, the lighter we are, the easier it is to pull. So your strength is going to stay around the same. So if I could pull my body weight and I could pull more than my body weight, if I'm I'm 10 pounds less, that makes a big difference. My endurance goes up. Okay. Gotcha, my gotcha. strength, right? I could I could maneuver my way around the rock better. But isn't it kind of tough in between moving? I mean, losing muscle weight and fat because mm-hmm. then you start losing a little bit of strength as well too. A hundred percent, and it, it brings up a good point where and and a lot of other people have talked about this. Really good climbers, and now we're talking about the professional, the elite. There's a this eat, this eating disorder problem actually in climbing. Because the idea of a climber, and I'm sure when she went to the gym, is the the thin, very, very, yes. they're fit, very petite. Yes. They're usually shredded too. Shredded, yeah. but very petite. And it's the idea of the thinner you are, the better climber you are. And that doesn't always correlate. I'm sure you know this in every single sport. It doesn't always correlate size and strength. It doesn't always correlate to how you look exteriorly. But yeah, it is hard to lose weight. Naturally, this is what I am. And I actually don't hit the gym very frequently. I, I'm a two-time, I'm a two-a-week two guy. Three max because it's hard to fit in working out 
with my climbing because it doesn't always it doesn't always work. Okay, so it's not a good translation. Working it's out. not. I think people are starting to figure out certain workouts that translate to to climbing because climbing is such is very specific, movement specific. That at least for myself, I haven't found a, a, a split that works for me that will help me. There, there are like I, I work a lot of my scapula, I work a lot of my back, I work a lot of my shoulder strength. Uh, but I'm also so used to the bodybuilding days where it was the you know chest and biceps, right, okay. and back and triceps. So it's also been kind of hard to just forget about all that. So, so you're having difficulty transitioning from the bodybuilder frame of mind towards the rock climber, which is very dynamic mm -hmm. and and unconventional. Extre it's extremely hard. It, and I say extremely because it's still hard for me to deal with it. Uh, when I was a bodybuilder, I had body dysmorphia. It was, I would look at myself in the mirror, no matter if I was 230 pounds, you know, you worked as a, uh, as a cow. I, I saw myself as the 115 pound kid in high school. That is what I saw in the mirror. I would tell myself, you're still too skinny. I could sit here and tell you I was as I was a high level national, like a national level bodybuilder. I, I won more than, you know, a handful of shows and I would go to the beach and not take my shirt off. Really? Not take my shirt off. Wow. As like I said, as a as the size that I was, I would not take my shirt off. I was I was fearful of how I was looked at, that perception of people, because I was not good enough for myself. So if I'm not good enough for myself, then I'm not good enough for other people. So no matter how, what size I was, I would not take my shirt off. It was hard for me. So how did you overcome th overcome that? It's th it's a battle. It's a battle. Even to this day, when I walk, I, so I stopped looking at myself in the mirror. Okay. That was one of the things that I, I remember telling myself. I'm just gonna stop looking at myself in the mirror. But even to this day, it's something that I sometimes struggle with. But I've just come to accept, and I, I'm very aware of how I talk to myself. I think the way we talk to ourselves is very important. What words do we use? True. And athletes, I think athletes deal with this a lot because an athlete, a high level athlete is extremely competitive, not only on the field or whatever sport they're playing, but internally. And I think that's what separates that, that elite, it's that mambo mentality that, mm -hmm. that we kind of tend to know. For me, it was accepting that I'm not going to be this 200 and I cannot be a 230 pound bodybuilder and be a high level climber. I had to come to that realization. I had to, I had to tell myself, which one are you going to be? You can be both. And as humans, I think we tell ourselves that we could do anything. Right. It's not always true. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't. You're not going to quit being a doctor right now and be like, I'm going to join the NFL. It's not going to happen, right? So I had to really sit down with myself and be like, I cannot be, I, I cannot have too many eggs in too many different baskets. Right. I have to put my eggs in certain baskets that work with me. So I had to tell, like I said, I told myself, I'm going to be a climber. I need to stop thinking like a bodybuilder. But even then, our brains play tricks on us. For sure. And I sometimes look at myself and I miss that lifestyle. I miss the look, not oh, the lifestyle. I don't okay. like the lifestyle. I miss the look. Okay. But I also know that I cannot look like that and do what I do now. All right. So my question to you is this. Would you say that rock climbing saved you? Here's the reason why I asked this question. Because now you have a new community. You're doing something that is a new challenge, something new for you to overcome. And then you have these individuals in there, but then you're also fighting about against the feel of the look and also fighting against your own, your own internal struggles of, of, of body dysmorphia, as well as dealing with social things. So mm -hmm. would you say that the, the climbing community and the activity kind of uh, saved you from that? Because the only thing you say you liked about the bodybuilding was the look, mm -hmm. the lifestyle you weren't so fond of. No, um, to touch on that, maybe some bodybuilders are getting mad that I say this, but Bodybuilding is a very selfish sport. Uh, most bodybuilders, not mo I don't want to use, I don't want to talk in the great, right? But mo a good amount of bodybuilders are divorced, single. It's it's very selfish because it's you at the gym. Everything's you, 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 right? I could only speak. So let me speak for myself, right? When I, when I, when I was engaged and everything, it was, hey, do you have my meals cooked for me? Because I would eat eight meals a day. If we go on a trip, is there a gym in the facility? Because I need to train. I need to... If we go to restaurants, I need to bring my food with me or the chef needs to cook it a certain way for me because I'm on a diet and have a show in two weeks. Everything is me, me, me. So it's Eddie, 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 right? And it, it's a very selfish sport. When I came to climbing, climbing is a community-based sport. When we climb, yeah, we're climbing and we're on, like I said, we're on the rock and it's just us. But when you're, you're climbing, you know, 
you're you're taking like an hour break of your outside, maybe 30, 40 minutes at the gym. You're taking like a 10 minute break between climbs. There's people on the ground and you're just socializing. When I'm climbing now, I climb and I'm just talking to everybody and we're talking about our day. When you're climbing, you hear people screaming at you. Let's go do it. You know, so to get the motivation, the so motivation, you're a social butterfly now. You're, I'm a social butterfly. It was different to come from a world where loneliness is what thrives you. A lot of bodybuilders just say that loneliness, you're like a warrior going to war, but it's just you against an army. And even with my bodybuilding friends back in the day, the only thing we had in common was our depression. We, we would do legs together and we would talk about how sad we were, how depressed we were going to that. We would call it the dark place. You need to go to a dark place right now, Eddie. And what's that dark place? Dark place is is as depressed as you, it's, we call it the cave, right? It's a cave. Go to that dark place where, where your anger, where your depression, where everything is, and go to that place. That way you can lift heavier. You could go longer. You want to use it. So you, we, you would use that, which is great, but it's also not great. Right, right. right. Because now you're harnessing something that's really not good. Yeah, you're harnessing a little darkness yes, in you, right? Yes, yes. I And I'm, I'm not saying not to harness that. I think it's good to harness the darkness. But it's it's not a, if that's all your if that's your whole conversation with with that side it's not good and that's what we would we would literally just talk about that. Once I came to climbing, it was such it was so communal. It was like it was like the light, and I remember we're seeing yin and yang, right? It's it's like the light. Uh, there's people pushing you. Uh, I I could go to any climbing gym in, in the United States, and I'll tell you that with with 100 honesty and certainty, and not know anyone and come out with friends. And come out with friends. As a stranger, I could go up to someone and be like, "Hey, do you want to climb with me?" Or, "Hey, can you can you give me beta?" It's, it's what we call like giving you know beta beta. It's, it's pretty self explanatory. But in climbing, the word beta means can you give me some knowledge about what to about to climb, right? Because maybe you've done it and you know the trick to it. So, um, in terms of the the community, the communal aspect mm -hmm. of of the rock climbing, the reason why you could probably go anywhere and be able to do that is because I guess subconsciously. Um, that community is also what helps to to survive, uh, to maintain safety, uh, to accomplish that particular goal. Because you can't really accomplish that unless you're, you know, upper level mm -hmm. elite and super duper dialed in. Correct. You can't climb the tallest of the tall. No, I, I, I agree. I, but I also think it's it's just what climbing is at its core. I think the climbing community has just that's what they broadcast. That that's what that's like their core value is. It's friendship. It's it's coming together. If, if we look back at climbing and its history, most climbers were outcasts. They weren't the popular kids at school. They weren't the, you know, the jocks. They weren't. They that's not what climbers were. And even to this day, I I I'll, I'll go out and say that most climbers now are kind of awkward. They're they're not your cool kids. You know, quote unquote cool kids. Right, right. They're your your little misfits, right? They're 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 different, right? They're different. They're the ones that. Because it's a singular sport, and I think if you look at singular sports, those people are different. People that don't don't always work in team sports, their their brain just processes things differently. True, because they have to figure out a way how to motivate themselves in a way. Correct. So, I think since climbing came from that, that's part of its its upbringing, and climbers are like that nowadays. I think we all know. Hey, I I didn't like maybe being by myself back in the day, right? Like, and I'm talking for them. I'm like, maybe I didn't like being by myself. Maybe I didn't like being an outcast. So let me bring in this people. So when I see, so when I see other people and I, and they always got that look, uh, new climbers, even though it's not, we call them Gumbies, right? That's the <laughs> word we use Gumbies. Right? Okay. So when you see like a Gumby at the gym, you're like, Hey, come over here. Let me, let me help you a bit. One is for safety. Correct. Okay. Because accidents happen and an accident in climbing is death. No matter what it's death. You fall off 60 feet. You're most likely you're going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to hurt. So it's one is for safety and it's that brotherly sisterly love. Hey, let me come and help you one for safety, but two, like, let me bring you in because we, I think a lot of climbers have that experience of it's, it's scary the first couple of times. So would you say, would it be safe to say that the climbers who are success, su successful have never made a detrimental mistake? No, I think climbing is filled with mistakes. And that's the beauty of climbing. Um, it's the one sport where it's not the one sport, but it's, it's the one sport that I do that failing is good. Explain. Because when I hear fail, I hear death. Correct. But no. When we, we're, look, we're, we're looking at a gym base now, and then we'll, we'll go to the outdoors. But indoors, imagine 
I don't always, like, when I climb, I don't always get it on the first try, second try, fifth, sixth. Sometimes it takes me three days just to, for one move. So you're always linked to the harness. You're always linked Indoor. to the harness. Okay. Indoors, yeah. So I think we should break this off. So there's sport climbing, which is what we know as rope climbing. Okay. And there's bouldering. Bouldering is getting the hardest section of the sport climb and making it into a 15, 20-foot route. And there's a mat on the bottom. So that's no harness. That's nothing. Okay. If you fall, I think you saw my video yesterday. You commented on yes, it. So yes. that 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 is bouldering. There's no rope. If I fall, I land on a, on a really big okay, mat. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. But failing is, is important in climbing. You learn from failure. If I if I sent every single route that I did, I would be the most boring person. I, I would have the most boring time. I actually like falling because it pushes me. The best example I give you is when I first started climbing, there was just one route. I could not do, I'm talking about one move. Maybe there's 15 moves in a route. I couldn't do one move. Everything else I could do because I would skip that move and I could do everything else. And I went back and I spent maybe six hours practicing one move. Really? One move. And I felt every single time, every single time. Eventually by hour six, I got it. Something clicked. And after I, it clicked, it felt, my, my internally I said to myself, this was super easy. <laughs> you just had to find the secret sauce. And it's 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 that example that I give to life. We fall a lot of times. We fail a lot of times. And once it finally clicks, you tell yourself, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that bad. And that answer can sometimes come from a partner, a climbing partner, being like, hey, this is how I did it. My body was here. Movement was here. I placed my hand here. Or I, you know, tired or stronger, whatever it might be. Or just from internal self. And it's the same way in life. Sometimes you need someone to come and be like, hey, this is what you need to do. To kind of expose you to a different aspect or a different mm -hmm. way of thinking and how to approach a particular problem mm -hmm. to solve. That's that's the beta. Okay. That's the beta. That's what we call beta. Maybe life beta or maybe climbing beta. Okay. Yeah. So my question is this. Now, when you're out climbing outside. Okay, let's go outside now. Right, let's go outside. That's tough. I mean, we have the elements. Mm -hmm. I love me some sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, but now you're going up. Now you're worried about rocks. You're worried about falling. Mm -hmm. um, you're worried about um, detrimental things that could occur. Mm -hmm. How do you prepare yourself mentally for that? There's not enough preparation in Florida. And I can only speak for Florida. Other states, I'm sorry, I can only speak for Florida. There's not enough preparation in Florida. Because I could fall at the gym and maybe take like a 20-foot fall with the rope. And yeah, it's fine. But it never translates to the outdoors. Never. So for me, the first day of climbing outdoors, I get there, whatever, we pack our things, we go off to the mountains, we start hiking. Because you always, you so I've been everywhere. I've been, I've been to a bunch of places, but let's get Red Rocks because that's where I'm going uh, next month. And Red Rocks is, uh, so Red Rocks, Nevada, it's maybe 15 minutes from Vegas. It's, it's like my Mecca. It's where I go once a year, maybe twice a year, consistently. It's my favorite place to climb. And a lot of climbers will tell you that. So if I, if, when I go to Red Rocks, the first day I go hike, hiking sucks. That's the one part I hate about hiking. I'm sorry. <laughs> hiking is the worst thing. I'll hike and I'll get to a route. And usually we call it, we do a warm-up route, right? Because so to kind of, for the viewers to kind of explain to them what, what rock climbing looks like, it's we see a mountain. We have a guidebook also. So we have a guidebook. We, we, we see what grades we want to climb because climbing is broken down by grades. The higher the grade, the stronger climber you are, right? Like the harder the route is pretty simple, self-explanatory. So we'll get, we'll look for a grade that we want to warm up on, stretch, you know, just get movement, get that, get that rust out of us. Mm -hmm. And then we'll look at the mountain and there's different routes on it. So you'll climb. For me mentally, I stop. I like stand in front of a mountain and I just breathe. I, I do a lot of breathing exercises. I don't do that here. I only do that outdoors. It's almost like a meditation kind of preparation. It is, medi it is meditation. Right. It is. And I talk to myself. And I say, we're going to take this. I, I tell myself what I'm going to do. Some some climbers at a higher level, and I, and I do it too, you'll look at the route and you'll try to read the route. It's called reading the route. Okay. You'll be like, okay, left hand here, right foot here. And you, learn, you memorize what you're going to do the whole way out. I do that for harder climbs for my projects. When I'm warming up, I don't do that. I let my body naturally take its course. Okay. But I breathe. I talk to myself and I say, hey, we're going to take it slow. Every every two holds or every two moves, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to be self-conscious about my breathing. But your heart is. So tell me, so so why the focus on the breathing? 
one breathing is pump. So as climbers, we get pumped, just lactic acid, blood flow, right? Our forms get, you can have what's called a flash pump, where if you over grip, and over gripping could come from fear or because a move is maybe exceedingly past your strength level. But most of the time it's from fear. You're over gripping because you don't want to fall outdoors. The lactic acid buildup is immense and your form gets pumped and you can't close your hand. Really? And if you can't close your hand, you're not climbing anything. You're done. Yeah. And that could last two to three days. Really? So your whole trip is ruined. I've had flash pumps outdoors where I've been out for a week. I literally, my the lactic acid does not go down. And I, I know that my my body is, is built for like an, a bodybuilder's body. Like that's what my body knows, you know, eight, eight to 10 reps that's and the pump is in, we're swole and we leave. Like we're swollen and we leave, right. but that doesn't work in climbing. Climbing, if you look at a high level climber, they'll do two, three moves. They find a rest hold, they'll rest and they'll shake off. So you'll hold on with one hand, right? With one hand and your left hand or the right hand, you shake it off and you let it, you basically let the, like the, you know, let the blood flow down. And high level athletes could do that and they'll recover automatically. So they're very aerobic. Very, very aerobic. We're talking about very aerobic, right? So breathing also slows down your heart, as you know. It makes you aware also of, of what's going on, and it kind of takes away that fear. Because a lot of athletes will tell you, a lot of climbers will tell you that the one thing you notice when you're climbing is that it's, it's like the roller coaster feeling. When you're going up and you know you're going to fall, you have your heart like you know right at your throat, as they say, but it's the same way. My heart is beating a thousand miles an hour and I need to slow it down. Because as, as much as people see climbing and they say, hey, it's an adrenaline sport. There's no adrenaline. I feel no adrenaline. Really? I am I am as calm as if I was about to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no adrenaline when I'm climbing. There's there's really no adrenaline. Uh, the moment you have, okay, yeah, there's, there's a level of it after you're done with it. But when I'm climbing, I try to have no outside source. I need to focus on what's in front of me, my movement, and my body. So you can't be an anxious person climbing. You can, but you're going to suck. Okay. <laughs> you're going to suck. Okay. So yeah. anxiety's not going to help. Anxiety's not going to help. The moment you get anxious, you're going to, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. One, so again, it's just more knowledge. So when you're climbing, the rope is tied to you. You're setting quick draws, which are just carabiners. So there's it's a, it's a carabiner, and you're tying the rope to it, like okay. you're clipping the rope in. So the more carabiners you have, the more tension is created when you fall, and then you take a less of a right. So pretty self-explanatory. So when you're clipping in, you have to grab the rope from your harness, and then bring. Let's say if the carabiners here, you're bringing up the rope, and you're going to clip it in, right? You're going to clip it in. There's some rope drag, obviously, because the rope, eventually, the higher you go, you're dragging more rope. There's more tension. Right. There's You're yanking it. Sometimes it gets heavy. But that that you know that when you're clipping in, there's like a maybe a 15-foot gap from where you last clipped in. So if you fall, it's 15 feet plus whatever, the, whatever however much slack there is on the rope. So, so you, you're going to take a fall. No, you're going to take a fall. You're going you're gonna to fall heavy. And since you know you're, if you fall there, it's the biggest fall you're going to take, the mind knows that. And sometimes you're like, you're, you're shaking. You're like, you're, you're literally shaking. The, the hand starts to shake. We call it the Elvis leg. Your leg starts to shake also. And that's where you need to breathe. Slow it the hell down. Breathe and focus. Because sometimes you just can't clip in. It's the anxiety, the anxiousness is too much that you can't clip in. And that's where mistakes happen. And yeah, so I was just about to say, so there's a big danger with that. Mm -hmm. So learning how to control yeah. that. So falling is one of the things that a lot of... It's, it's, a very, it's, it's not controversial, but it's a, one thing that many climbers focus on, the fear of falling. And why why is there the fear of falling? Now, the more comfortable you get with falling, the more the better climber you get. Because if you're not thinking about falling, you're focusing. It take, Falling takes away from your climb. So would you, so it's not like a, a, a thrill kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not like a, a fearless thing. It's more so about just kind of controlling it and not being consumed by it. The thrill comes after. Okay. Or if you fail, it comes after. It's not why you're doing it. I don't know a lot of climbers that say, oh, they're super excited during the climb. It's after you do it. You're like, wow, that line was beautiful. Wow, that movement was amazing. Uh, I can't believe I did it. It's not during. When you, when a climber is climbing, it's, it's, very, it's very peaceful. And I think that's what a lot of us enjoy, that it takes away from my bills are not paid, my wife is leaving me, you know, 
whatever it may be, it takes away your it's just you, yourself, your thoughts, and the rock. And it brings you face to face with your demons. Because you need to be very aware of what's going on at that moment. And mm -hmm. wow, that's interesting. Wow, super deep. So tell me, what was your most challenging climb? So it's not my most challenging physically. So fear of loathing it has been my most my my, my biggest feat. It's a five twelve D. If you're a climber, you know what it is. Uh, it's a it's a really hard grade. Um, that's been my most, but my most overall challenging climb was a free solo. So we're going back to free soloing. So free soloing is not something that's done by it's maybe done by one percent of the climbing community. And free soloing, for those that don't know, is just climbing with no gear, no rope. It's just you, your chalk bag. You're going up, and if you fall, unfortunately, you know. So you're swinging big. You're swinging big ones. On that yeah, one. you're swinging big ones. They're pulling you down on that one. But <laughs> it, it's not done by one. It's one percent of the climbing community that does it. Uh, some people are super against it, but for me and for others, it is climbing at its purest form. So what's the frame of mind, knowing there's so much at stake? Yeah, I, I can speak for myself, right? It is. The, the, when people ask me, the first explanation I always give is it's as getting close to perfect as possible because I, it's it's as perfect as I'll ever be. For sure. And I speak for myself because I have a, like a, like for a long time I dealt with wanting to be perfect or looking, looking the part, looking perfect. Right. And, and, and free soloing kind of brought that to me. And I've only done it a handful of times, by the way, it's not like something I do every single time. It's, it's, a, but I'll, I'll speak for the first time. The, the train of thought is, I want to be perfect, but it's it's playing with death. Uh, not a good game to play. And it's not a good. You can only roll the dice so many times. For sure. Before, before something happens. Um, I will say the first time I free soloed, I was not in good headspace. Uh, I will I'll be, honest, be say that. And I was not I was not suicidal. I was not looking for a way out. But I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel like I just wanted to feel something. So would you say almost like running away from whatever it is? Correct. Was, okay. Yeah. I was running away and it was in Vegas. It was Big Bad Wolf. Big Bad Wolf is a very iconic uh, uh, climb in, in Vegas. It's maybe like 365 feet. Uh, so it's not too bad. It's three pitches. So they're just split up in pitches of 100 feet, give or take. And I had done it already. So it's a, it's a climb that I had already done. So on a rope. So I knew I knew what the movement felt like, okay. right? It's not like I was just, and it was way under my climbing grade, right? Okay. So I think Big Bad Wolf is like a five nine, and I was already like a five twelve climber. So I'm three grades under what I climbed. So, so it's, it wasn't a major challenge. It wasn't a major challenge physically. So it was just a mental preparation. But in yeah, but that mental could make that climb into a five fourteen, which I've never climbed, right? It, because like I said, fear can make you over grip. It could make skew your, your your judgment sure so i remember getting on it i my friends were in the hotel and the airbnb i told nobody i went out there had my knapsack my, my wrap sack back i had my climbing shoes in the bag i walked up to it i made sure there was nobody around and now why 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 did you do it? why did you approach it that way um, you tell your friends because it's a major community and you wanted to do it when nobody else was around it's, I told myself if something happens, I don't want my friends to, to, to see me. Right. I, 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 I it's not something that I want others to see. Um, and I don't want others like my friends or, or, or others. Right. Like that's not, if it happens, it happens. And I never go in with that mentality, but I'm obviously, I'm, I'm human. I'm aware of it, but it's not something I want to see. I didn't even take my GoPro that day. Um, I just left the GoPro. I said, I don't. So it was all here. It's, it's all, all here. here. I needed to fight something, and it was and it was me. I needed to fight my myself. Um, and I got on it, and the first couple moves, I already knew them. They were super easy, you know. Then I think once I got to like fifty feet, where fifty feet is already a pretty big fall, right? I I, I think that's the. I think like I woke. Like the first fifty was very robotic. I already knew the movement. But then I awoke and I was like, wow, I'm actually doing this. So was that reality setting in or was that you kind of hitting the zone? Like, of, of I think it's I think it was reality. Uh, I was already in the zone when I was climbing. And you, you do get to a climbing zone where 
you climb autonomously, right? It's when you're driving and you get home, you're like, how did I get here? True. It's that. Thinking. So you're feeling. You're feeling. You're feeling. You're feeling. Um, And like 50 feet, I opened my eyes and I remember looking down and it's it's a long way down. (laughs) I couldn't imagine. And I'm comfortable in a sense. I'm not, there's no fear of, I mean, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm super comfortable where I'm at, but. I, I remember telling myself, what am I doing right now? But it was already too late. So, so, so when you ask yourself, what are you doing? What's, what's the answer? I didn't answer it at that point. I said, that's not a question. I, that's not a question I need to answer right now. I need to focus on what's in front of me. And I just put it to the back of my thought, like to my, like to my brain. And I chalked up and I just kept going. And again, no climb is perfect. Mistakes happen in every single climb. Uh, and by that, I mean, maybe you have a bad foot, maybe you go the wrong way and then you need to down climb a little bit and go another way. So, but every couple, maybe 20, 30 feet, I, I'm aware, right? Sometimes the move is harder than the other. No matter if the, the climb is super easy, the brain makes everything harder. Uh, but it's, it was that thought process of slow down. And I don't have that safety net either. I don't have, I don't have my, I don't have like a rope. Nobody knows I'm up here. I need to focus just on what I, on what I'm what I'm doing, and I remember just looking at my hands, looking at my feet. Every single movement was just being meticulous with it. Think of when I was like already at 180 feet. I I, had, I it was like a small foot chip. I got like I'm like imagining it right now. It's a super small foot chip, and I got kind of comfortable. And I remember my foot slipped. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get back, get back with, yeah. it. get back so, with it. One of the, like the misconceptions that people have is when you're climbing, you know, the movies show you that you just kind of like fall back or anything. It's it's very impossible. Like your foot slips, but you're still holding on and you have another good foot, right? So it's just getting my foot back on the wall. But it, it scared the shit out of me, for lack of better words. It scared the shit out of me. And around that time is when I looked down and there was two other climbers climbing up on a rope. And I was like, damn. That kind of took it out. That okay. took it out because now I'm aware that there's people around me now. They're, you wanted that solitude. You wanted yes, that time. I wanted the you. solitude, yeah. But again, it's the challenges that life throws at us. And I said, I'm going to keep focusing on myself. And I, I finished it. I, I, I got to the end. And then once you get to the top, you could hike down. And I just hiked down. I remember during that hike, I cried uh, at my climbing shoes and I cried. And it's the second time I've ever cried in my life out of joy. It's like a mixture of joy and wow, I did this. The first time was my first ever bodybuilding show. I cried on the way home. So climbing, uh, going back to a little bodybuilding. Bodybuilding shows are morning and nights. Morning is pre-show, night is the finals and you go. But in the morning, you know if you're gonna get to the finals. Gotcha. During the morning of the bodybuilding show, I knew I had won something. I told my parents and my family not to go to the morning show just in case I sucked. I would not invite them to the night show. Right, right. I only went with myself and my friend Dennis. He was the only person that went with me because I did everything for that show by myself. I I knew I had won something and that drive home, I cried of happiness just because I felt so content. Triumph. That triumph, triumph. I'm like, I did this. Like I went to the off. depths of hell and I, you know, by my bootstraps, I, I took myself out. Nice. Same thing with this. I, I hiked down and I cried and I said, wow, I did this. And it's not some, and it's something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I think it's symbolic because I started with free solo and I wanted to get a solo in you did it. and I did it and I fell in love. I did. I, I, I love free soloing again. It's not something I, I tell people to do and it's not something that I, that I do for glory or for accolades or anything. I, I don't care if anybody sees me. I don't care if anybody knows it's just for you. It's for me. It's the connection that I make with, with the wall. It's the connection that I make with myself because I have to be really in tune with with Eddie, with authentic Eddie, and every time I free solo, it it's that it's okay. We're we're gonna push. We're gonna push it. Things might happen, but we'll figure it out as we go along. I think I think that's huge, man. I know, I know for a fact, a lot of individuals um, are addicted to the comfort zone, and never want to push outside that comfort zone, even if they know that comfort zone is not that great for them. And the truth is, if they overcome that or push through that or are forced out of it, 
and then they and they triumph at something, some way, shape, or form. I think it transforms their life, their whole their whole thought process, and how they how they attack everything, mm-hmm. you know, in life and in the world. You know, I'm 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 super happy that you were able to, to feel that and, yeah. and, and achieve that, and you did it twice. Yeah, I've, so I I I went back a year later and I did Big Bad Wolf again, um, and this time around. I was in a better headspace, I will say. But it was the same build up to it. I was day three of the of the of the session. And my friends, it was like a rest day. So you don't always climb when you're out like when you're on a trip, you don't climb every day. You need days to rest. Our fingers get tired, our bodies get fatigued. You need a day. Um and the same thing. I wanted an easy day. My friends were having breakfast. I had breakfast with them like I always do. And I said, hey, guys, I'm going to go out for a hike. It's very, it's super easy to. I went back. Uh, Big Bad Wolf is super easy to get to. Uh, Red Rocks is a national park. You could just drive up to a certain pullout station, maybe like a 20-minute, 30-minute hike to Big Bad Wolf. You see it from the moment you park. It's right there in your face. And I did it again. I, I drove. I looked around, but this time there was people. Right, right. Um, but your headspace was different at that point. My headspace was different, but it, it, it doesn't really change the way I do things. Anytime I've, and I, and I say anytime, and it's like, you know, a handful of times. Anytime I, I, I solo, it has nothing to do, I mean, it has everything to do with how I feel, but also, does it feel right? Because even I want to do, if I want to do it, if it doesn't feel right, and I've I've tried to solo other things, and maybe I've done thirty feet, and I've got the hell out of there. I said my mind is nowhere where it needs to be, and I think that's what keeps me so safe. Because like I said, I've climbed 30, 40 feet, and I'm like, no, 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 this is not gonna happen today. So what what was it that alerted you at that point? One is confidence, and I think we all wake up every single day with different levels amounts of confidence, right? right? And I tell myself or ask myself at that moment, I ask myself, why am I doing this? And I said, it's just for another, to just say I did it. And that's not, that's the wrong answer. That's the wrong answer. That's not why you want to be soloing. It, I was, I felt when I, when I, you know, walked off that climb, I felt that I was doing it. I felt like I pressured to do it just to be like, Hey, I've done this. Let me check my box off. And two, I was doing more for the accolade, not, not, not because it was a spiritual thing. And that's not worth it. I, I don't care. I I don't care if anybody knows what I've done as long as it feels okay with me. Sure. I don't need a plaque. I I don't even talk to my friends about any of these, like my solos. I don't care. And I it's something that I eventually want to expand more and, and do more of it. I'm still pretty young. Like I've done nothing crazy in the solo world. Like it's not but it's something I do want to expand on eventually. Even though, you know, friends and family are not crazy about it, it's always a debate that, you know, that's had. But it's about the connection. And it, if it doesn't feel right and if I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, I just won't do it. For me, it's pushing my body, my mind to its limits and, and, and actually doing it for the right reasons. Um, and if I can't push my body, my mind, my movement, everything, because think about it, when 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 you... I don't know how a lot, a lot of I don't know a lot of things that we could do in life that get you to that level where if I make a mistake I die, right? right? And I, I don't want to die. I don't ever go to these things. I'm like I want to die. It's not like an answer that I'm looking for. But I don't know anything in my life or in other people's lives that they do and they say if I make a mistake here I'm dead. And so that's got to be worth it. It's it's got to be worth it. It's got to it's just got to feel right. I know feeling right just seems so generic. But internally, it, it speaks to me. Um, the it's 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 almost chasing a high, and it's not adrenaline. I don't chase adrenaline. If I ever feel adrenaline while climbing, I stop. I don't right. want adrenaline. So that's a that's a that's a danger zone for you. The that's adrenaline, a, and it happens. It happens. Sometimes you click, and you're like, "Why am I so right?" Because when you're adrenaline, you feel undefeated. So I when I climb, I don't feel like I'm I'm Superman and nothing's gonna go wrong. When I get adrenaline, I feel like that that nothing's gonna go wrong, and that's the worst mentality you right, could have. Right, right, you have to have a. I'm ne- yeah, I'm confident, but I can't be overconfident either. I need to take right like the proper steps. So no, um, 
it has to speak to me. It has to be a spiritual connection. And it has to answer a question internally that I might be asking myself. I think when I solo it, it's answering questions. I mean, it's, it's answering, yeah, questions that I don't know the answer to yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. I usually something's going on in my life or that I don't know what I want to do. And that answers it for me. So would the hashtag be like, know thyself? Know thyself, yeah. Right? I, and and I, I think that's huge that you bring up that point, primarily because a lot of individuals don't know themselves. They don't know what they want. They don't know who they are. Um, they're doing something, and, and on the outside, it might look huge and monumental. It might be something somebody else might want to do, but they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And sometimes they don't even know what reasons they're doing it for. Mm -hmm. They're in a situation, and they're just doing it. Yeah. I love the fact that you take the... You're, you're making sure that everything is in tune with 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 yourself, you know, your spirituality, your thought process, and things of that nature, and even physically how you feel, and then putting all those things together to make sure that everything is just right. Yeah, you know, it's it's that one degree. It's the one degree of failure. It's there there is, but you have to be you have to be good. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very unique spot to be in. Uh, this trip that I'm going to uh, now next month, I have something planned. I don't want to speak on it yet, but I do have something new that I want to do. I have my own projects. So I, I took a year off climbing, uh, just to say that. So I've been climbing now for four months, three months and a half in a row. But I took a year and a half off. I was focused on other projects. Uh, and I lost that passion. I really did lose the passion for, for climbing uh, at one point. Uh because it, it moved your soul. It, it moved my soul. It, it is. It became my identity at one point, right? But I lost it because I lost that community aspect. I started focusing on the wrong things of climbing, and I would push myself to be a stronger climber, to climb higher grades, better. And it just it reminded me of bodybuilding at that point. And I didn't want to be a. I don't want to be a bodybuilder again. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to have that mentality. Yeah, I want to be great. I, but I don't care if I'm elite. I don't care if I'm the best climber in the world. That's not what I'm trying You're to be. You're trying to be great for you. I'm trying to be great for me. Uh, I don't want to be great for, for, you know, like I said, I don't care about the accolades. I don't care if I'm a, if people consider me a good climber. I don't. I just want to be good to Eddie. And I felt like I wasn't, I was doing it to be a good athlete for others. Like, so people were like, hey, Eddie's a really good climber. And it just, it was for the wrong reasons. So I took a year off, a year and a half off. And it's been hard to come back. It has been hard because my body doesn't perform at the same level. I'm a little bit older. Okay. I feel the I feel the age sometimes, uh, even though I stay pretty healthy. You're a young guy. No, yeah, but you know, I, I feel the limitations now, and not not because of my age, but the limitations of I'm not in shape like I was. Right, right. And in the beginning, it was frustrating because I would try to climb things that were super easy for me, and now I'm like I'm struggling, I'm struggling. So it's it's been that process of relearning. It's almost like an injury, right? When athletes get injured. They, back, they try to, to come it. back the same what they, what they were doing before. It doesn't really work. It doesn't work. Because you're not in the same place you were back then. Yeah. So that that was hard for me, going back to to the ABCs. What what kind of injuries um, have you sustained or is common oh. in the field? So, well, you know, I had turf toe, which is the most random injury I've had. It's I very think. not fun. It's anybody. not fun. I still not feel fun. it to this day. I think we're in month three right now. So I don't. I'm hoping by next month it's fully, you know, recovered so i've had turf toe i had a uh, pulley injuries are super common in climbing explain so, that so you know we have we have pulleys in our in our uh, like levers in our fingers right when we grip to anything there's a pulley system that goes down all the way down to our, to our forms so you're aware of this so you can have a partial tear you, have, you okay that was scary <laughs> you have a full tear or a minimal tear so i had a full tear of my pinky of my a5 pulley which is the middle pulley here i tore it completely off uh, so I was out, I was not climbing for maybe climbing strongly because I still climbed for like seven months. And the issue with climbing is at least in Florida, there's not a lot of places I could go to like doctors I go to, to recover. Right. Everything is at home. Everything is YouTube videos and Google and anecdotal like, you know, research that I had to do myself. Uh, so now you're, now you're healing yourself. Yeah. So I've had that. I had a really bad shoulder, uh, where I had to, you know, I had to go to physical therapy for it uh, because Shoulders are super important in climbing. Uh, I pulled my hamstring. The uh, hamstring. You usually hear that in sprinters, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, climber, right? yeah, because there's so much movement with your legs in climbing. Uh, 
you're getting in all these weird shapes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you, uh, you've been aware it's of. very dynamic. Right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I'm doing a full split, and maybe I'm not fully warmed up, and the hamstring says, hey, buddy, not today. <laughs> so, so that, um, nothing ever, you know, I've never had a rock fall on me or anything. I've seen it happen before, but I've never had you know, a rock fall on my head or anything, luckily. But, and then just, just your superficial, you know, your finger, you tear like some skin off, right? You guess what we call flappers is when you skip okay. a little, but nothing, nothing intense, but it does happen though. Uh, bouldering is a little more conscious. I mean, more injury prone because that's where with pads. So when you usually fall off a rope, you're they're, they're dynamic ropes. So you, you're, you're kind of just hanging there. It's not a big the deal. Dynamic rope meaning that it has some, so it has some, it. yeah, it has some okay. give. So, so it's, it's not a sharp, it's not a sharp. So it's very friendly, you know, user friendly, especially for your back. But when you're bouldering, especially outside, if you take like a 30 foot fall, like sometimes you have like ankle injuries. Uh, I saw one, an injury the other day on Instagram from this client where he fell on his on his butt and compressed his spine. Right. So it, it can get serious for sure. But I've been very I've been very lucky that I haven't had anything crazy. I think the pulley injury was the worst just because it took so long to recover because it was a full tear uh, that my pinky was useless. And I would tie, I would tie it, I would tape it to my, to my, to my other finger, mm-hmm. to my ring finger. Mm-hmm. That way, I didn't have to use it, and I would just climb with gotcha. no pinky. Gotcha. But you, when you, you have no pinky. pinky, by the way, you realize you how important it. <laughs> you're like my pinky is super important, right? Uh, and then wrist injuries also are very common. Let me add that okay. wrist. So, so yeah, because a lot of mobility in wrist, a lot of mobility in shoulders, especially if like you're locking off your shoulders, very, you know. Um, and actually, I had an abdominal tear. I, I lied. I did have an abdominal tear. Uh, because your your core is very important. Sure. You're holding your breath, right? Your that pressure, internalized pressure, is going up, mm-hmm. and then you do a drastic movement. Yeah. So I had a abdominal tear at one point. Uh, sure, I've had other like minimal stuff, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Those are the noteworthy ones. Those are like very common in, in, in class. So anybody who wants to get into uh, the sport, mm-hmm. all right? Like any suggestions? Yeah, I I say just go for it. Don't be like me and do research for like two months. Uh, just Google. Climbing gym near you. There's uh, there's so many. There's actually a new one popping up in Wynwood. It's gonna be the biggest climbing gym in in all of South Florida. It's really? it's massive. It's literally massive. It's called Velocity Climbing. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. It's just a cool gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of gyms. Uh, there's the Edge and Kendall down in this area where like Davy Plantation, Oakland. Uh, there is. Boulder Block, which we are going, which is a straight bouldering gym. There's no ropes; it's just bouldering. Okay. Uh, there's Project Rock, which is in Oakland Park. That one has like 60, 70 foot walls, so you could you could definitely get some you know yeah, some cool stuff. They have what they call natural rock, so they have their bolt they have their climbing routes, but they also have gotten. I think they have Yosemite and two other ones where they get concrete and then it looks like real rock, so you're climbing on actual rock, you know, quote unquote. Really? So it'll give you a feel. It's not as the same, but it'll give you a feel because there's no holds. There's not like the colorful holds that you see. It's just rock. So okay. you're just climbing that. So that's as real as you can get in South Florida. Yeah, indoor. that's as real. And then there's Coral Cliffs. Coral Cliffs is a smaller gym. is where I started. Also very good gym. It has both rope and, and bouldering. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot. There's a couple more that are opening up. But those are like the big like big quads right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah, just go for it. Uh, go with your friends the first time. Take a class. They'll teach you everything you need to know, how to tie in. It's very safe. And and just experience it. Uh, and maybe you'll love it. For the most part, people that go always tell me, like friends that I take, they're like, yeah, this is this is, this is is different. Yeah. Nice. It's a rush. It's, yeah, it's a rush. Okay. I uh, got a couple questions for you. Let's go. All right. Just Let's want to do finish it. things up this way. All righty. Um, what's your favorite meal before you uh, go climbing? Oh, that's simple. I do an everything bagel, uh, three whole eggs. Uh, bacon and hot honey. Hot honey. Yes. Okay. So it's like combo. spicy honey. I love I love honey. I, it's one of my th- like staples in my diet. Okay. And then yeah, that's that's it. And okay. obviously, then you drink some coffee and some eggs. Okay. Any pet peeves for rock climbing? Rock climbing pet peeves. Oh yeah, I hate when you're climbing and someone screams to you beta without you asking. So we call that spraying. So don't spray. So if I'm doing something and I'm struggling with a move, I could ask you for it. But don't tell me like unsolicited advice. So it's unsolicited advice. Yeah. Okay. Let me because okay. it takes away the fun, right? Right, right, right. Because you want to challenge. It's you like more. going to a haunted house. And they're like, hey, like the ghost is gonna be on the right hand <laughs> side. It just ruined the fun for me. Yeah, no, no. All right. And um, 
Uh, one final question. What is uh, something really, really cool that you want to do? You want to make sure you have it done before you stop climbing ever again? Okay, that's that's good. That's actually good. I would say there's there's a solo that I have in mind that I want to do. Again, I, I, I it's still pretty early, but the easy answer is do climb Yosemite, uh, the nose. It's the, it's a certain route. It's called the nose, uh, which is actually what Alex Honnold did when gotcha. he climbed uh, free solo. Gotcha. Yeah. No, he did free rider. I'm sorry. He did free rider. But so you see El Cap, El Capitan, right? It's the, it's the mountain. Uh, there's different lines and those are called routes, right? Okay. So I want to do the nose, which goes straight up, literally the nose of El Cap. That's that's like my goal. Okay. Yeah, All that's right. My goal. So um, no sky, skyscraper climbing, nothing like that? Um, Not right now. I do. Next year, I do want to go to Spain and I have I have a premature plan of doing, it's called free water soloing. So it's soloing. But over water, so if you fall, you just fall on the water. Oh, it's man, let me tell you, the 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 coast, mm-hmm. the waters, or um, Spain, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the water is super clear. You're gonna fall on that. Yeah. I think you'd like. So, it. so yeah, that's very common over there. Uh, so that's one of the things I wanted to. So it's free water soloing, super safe. But yeah, it's you climb, and then if you fall, you you, you fall on some water. Oh man, please let me see some videos when I, you get out I there, my you, friend. I man, I love it. Gonna man. Uh, let me tell you, uh, Eddie. I, I, I really appreciate you coming out and, and, and having a chat with us. And I hope that the viewers are going to um, enjoy this understanding. Yeah, in, in for the sure. You know, community. Uh, because uh, when you spoke to me, I was captivated. Man. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I know no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I want to hear this, you yeah. know? So um, is, is, uh, you know, you're doing your climbing stuff. Uh, you care people follow you? Or? I don't. My Instagram is just my, my personal Instagram. It's Eddie, E-D-D-Y-R-M-I-R-E-Z. Ramirez, it's my personal account. You're going to see some selfies. You're going to see some climbing stuff. You're gonna see some of like my like my day to day work life. Uh, I sometimes give like psychiatric advice. Uh, I'm a PMHMP, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. It's what I do. Okay. Uh, so it's just a mix of 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 Eddie's life. Okay. Uh, but if you follow, cool. Uh, like I said, you'll see February 14th for like a whole week. You'll see my adventures at Red Rocks. Maybe you, maybe you'll it. get a sneak peek of what I'm doing out there. Uh, we're gonna climb some really good stuff. Uh, and then who knows? Maybe maybe you'll see what I, what I have in mind. Okay, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Hey, anybody who's interested and they're gonna start, um, link up with Eddie, man. Follow yeah. and share. I'm, I'm sure you guys. I'm more than happy to to link anybody, you know, or direct them or answer any questions regarding rock climbing or where you need to go. Uh, by any means, ask away. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's it. Thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it, brother. You guys, have a good one. All right, be Take safe care. out there.